You know, the question that we have to ask today as we talk further about how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, and again, I know that sounds strange, but there's a reason I feel this message is important. Now, the question that we're going to ask today is, has Christianity worked? In other words, do we see a nation getting closer to God, or do we see a nation getting further away from God? If we went back in time, let's say 50 years ago, would we find more of a, of a God-fearing nation? Well, I think you know the answer to that. I mean, the further uh, human nature always has the tendency to degenerate over time. I, I don't know of any country that has ever, that has not done this, degenerated until basically it, you know, it came to nothing. Uh, we don't have a tendency to get better and better and better and better. Now, there's areas that we get better. Technology, we get better. Inventions, we get better. But I'm talking about the character of a person, a character of a nation as a whole, as a, a, as a people. So the answer is, no, we seem to be getting worse. We seem to be getting worse. Some of you live in absolute fear of what it's going to be like for your children or your grandchildren. What kind of society is it going to be for them? And you know it's not getting better. You know it's only getting worse. I read a quote from Billy Graham. He, in a moment of quiet time, he admitted to his family that he felt like he'd been a failure. Now, the reason for this was after 50 years of being seen and heard by millions of people, preaching to millions of people, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. Now, the question is, what is the problem? Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Now, is the problem that Christianity worked at one time, but it doesn't work today? And if so, why? I mean, was there a time when Christianity seemed to have a greater impact upon people's hearts? Now, some people might argue and say, well, Christianity has never worked. I mean, I'm trying to identify a problem here as to why we seem to be getting further and further away from God, further away from morality. Is the problem that the spirit of our age is just more powerful than Christianity? In other words, there is a spirit that we are up against. It's, it's the spirit of the world is the way the Bible refers to it. And it's referred to as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I mean, yeah, those three things, we, you know, we really have an issue there and but is that more powerful? In other words, we don't have anything inside to counter the spirit of the age. Now, in an upcoming program, I'm going to deal with that subject. What is that thing that can counter the spirit of the age? And that is the spirit of God. You've got to have the indwelling presence of the spirit of God. So I think as we look at, okay, why has Christianity not worked? Why are we not getting closer to God that is a very real issue that you that we come into the world incomplete, missing something. And there's only one way to that you can counter the spirit of the world, and that is to have the spirit of God. But God gives his spirit 
to them that obey him. In other words, there's a, such a thing as unconditional surrender. You know, it's a little bit more to it than just saying, oh, I love Jesus and I raise my hand and I give my heart to the Lord. A little bit more to it than that. God gives his spirit, Acts 5.32, I believe, to them that obey him. So there is an issue of unconditional surrender. If you are to receive the spirit of God, you have to come to a point where you put up your little white flag and say, I surrender all. Now, is the problem that we're just playing church? In other words, people want salvation more than they want God, more than they want a relationship with God, more than they want to build godly character. They just want salvation. Well, that is another issue. That's another big, big issue. The pseudo, the pretense of a relationship, the motive of a relationship with God, I just want salvation. I just want to check in at the end of my life and make sure everything's okay so I can get saved. But you see, salvation is a lot more to it. So there's issues. What I'm doing is I'm revealing a lot of different issues here that answers this question about the kind of Christianity, the, the, the dilemma that Billy Graham had when he said, after 50 years of preaching and being heard by millions, he did not see a nation any closer to God. This is the issue that we're dealing with. And we're asking the question, what's wrong? Why has Christianity not worked? Now, I'm not saying that it will not work. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I know I've repeated that phrase several times here. You know, why has Christianity not worked? I'm not saying it will not work. I'm saying the kind we've been exercising doesn't work. And so we're going to have to evaluate churches. We're going to have to evaluate ministers, preachers. What is the message? I'm saying the kind of Christianity we've been practicing is not working. It's not bringing our nation closer to God. It's not creating a more godly people across society. Now, <clears throat> I have an answer for this issue, and it's summed up in this program. And the answer, I think, will, will surprise you. Now, let's consider here that in, the, in America, there are over 450,000 churches that dot our landscape. I think I worked work that up to the population of the U.S. that it accounts for, for about every six or 7,000 people, uh, there's a church for six or 7,000 people. Now, I know a lot of churches are not that big. Some churches are that big, but, but in other words, there's a church for every group of people out there. There's 450,000 churches that dot the landscape of America. Now, 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is what they say, okay? This is a claim. 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. 74% confess commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, those numbers are pretty high. Those numbers are pretty impressive. Yet, now get that. Now, here's the, the rub. You know, here is, is um, the, the same people who claim to be Christian, who confess commitment to him, 72% say the moral value of America is worse than ever before. In other words, they look and they say, yeah, even though we're Christian, it's not getting better. It's getting worse as a nation. All right, that's a problem, is it not? Would you agree that's a problem? Something's wrong. We have, let's go back here. Okay, 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. 74% 
confess commitment to him. And yet, 72% say the moral value of America is getting worse. All right, that's a problem that needs to be solved. We need to get down to the root cause of this problem. 68% say divorce is morally acceptable. The divorce rate among Christians is the same as non-Christian, about 50%. 60% say having a baby outside of marriage is morally acceptable. 59% say gay and lesbian sexual relationships are morally acceptable. 63% say sex between unmarried men and women is morally acceptable. I mean, it seems to be an issue of morality. How can you have a country, a nation, where they profess to be Christian, and yet there's a disconnect with morality? How is that possible? How can a person go to church for 40 years, listen to preaching, you know, maybe even be involved in some type of religious activity, singing in the choir, maybe leading a youth group, and yet there's a disconnect with morality? Our morality is not getting better, it's getting worse. And yet we have this, this nation that supposedly claims to be Christian. We, we write on our dollar bills, in God we trust. You know, one nation under God. And yet there's a disconnect when it comes to morality. Why is that? What's going on in the church? I mean, when was the last time you heard the word sin in church? When was the last time you heard the, you know, the... The problem with just shacking up, you know, no commitment, two people with no commitment to one another. When's the last time you heard anything about that? When's the last time you heard anything about homosexuality? Or do you see priests being ordained? You know, I mean, where, how, what has happened to the disconnect with morality? And another statistic here is despite all the Christian broadcasting, evangelism, and soul-saving campaigns— there is about an 84 to 97% fall-away rate. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this fall-away rate. In other words, when they go back, there's, there's no commitment. There's nothing. You know, it's just there was a one-time decision. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I, I, I raised my hand. But it's nearly an, you know, close to 100% fall-away rate. These people are not committed to anything. Now, there's another fall-away rate that I want to discuss here, and that is churches are not keeping their children. In other words, yeah, during the child age, the infant age, yes, the churches can keep their children, but when they become teenagers, they leave the church very quickly. Why is that so? Now, I think one of the things is, it really dawned on me, is that children, you know, it's one thing to have a class in church, and, you know, I was talking to someone just recently they were talking about halloween in church and how cute it was to have those little children cutting out carving out pumpkins and they just thought that was a wonderful thing in the world you know you got you got this you know one holiday where we celebrate satan and it's in the church but this this person was talking about how cute it was for the children you know they had their candy and and uh, trick or trunk trunk or trick i don't even know what it's called um but what what people don't realize is this yeah, it's one thing for children to be involved in that, but those children become teenagers. And and here's one of the things I know about teenagers is that, you know, children, teenagers have the unique ability to realize when something is not authentic. And so they grow up and they look at their church and they say, huh, Halloween in church, nothing authentic about that. It don't even belong there. It doesn't fit. 
And so it, there's a certain amount of, of reality realizing the hypocrisy here of something like this. And what I'm saying is these teenagers are just a lot smarter than, than we give them credit for. And we have not evaluated some of the decisions that we make in church, such as Halloween in church. And, and what happens is these children, because they realize, okay, this is not, my parents' religion is not authentic. And so they leave the church. I could talk about Christmas, you know, um, the Christmas celebration. Okay, all that's cute when they're little children and all that stuff. But soon they realize, okay, as they grow up into adults, as they become teenagers, they realize, number one, my parents lied to me. Two, they lied to me about Santa Claus and reindeer. And maybe this Jesus thing, I mean, maybe I need to check into that also. Maybe they lied to me about that. I know in my own personal life, I haven't celebrated Christmas in over 40 years. I do keep the annual holy days found in your Bible, but even when my parents did keep Christmas, they desperately tried to put Christ in Christmas. I mean, I was age 12, I think, right before they quit celebrating Christmas, and and they would we would sit around a Christmas tree and read... Uh, read they would read the birth of jesus before we open our presents but my point is there was a disconnect with you know it was like okay i can't make the connection here with jesus and the present you know i want to open my gifts i was all wrapped up in the moment and so you know as you become as our children become adults they often see straight through the hypocrisy and the lack of any type of, of of authentic this this their religion is not my parents religion is not authentic now how do you present an authentic religion to your children well here it's very simple you say we do this i'm doing this because the word of god tells me to do it they have to see your obedience to the scripture that's how you create an authentic relationship that will impress upon your children's mind that your religion is real. In other words, I do this because I keep the Sabbath because God says rest on this day, and therefore this is why we do that. You understand what I'm saying? They have to see this in your life. And and what I'm saying is a lot of people's religion, there is nothing authentic about it. There's nothing that they do. It's all in their head. You know, their religion is all in their head. It's, you know, well, yeah, I believe. I got faith, faith in my head. I believe in my head. You know, uh, I love Jesus in my head, but they don't see where the rubber meets the road. And when you can't show your children where the rubber meets the road, we do this because God says to do it. When you lack that, your children, when they become teenagers, will leave the church and never come back. Now, if these statistics that I just went through don't shock you, I don't think anything will shock you. now, a lot of people will say, well, the reason those statistics are like that is because of the, all the unbelievers. Wait a minute. Let's back up here. All the unbelievers? No. We said these statistics reveal that 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe they're lying. I don't know. 74% confess commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe they're lying. But this is just, you know, what the statistics say. So we're not talking about unbelievers. We're not. Ta- we're talking about Christians. Now I'm going to give you the answer to this problem: the lack of morality, losing our children, the fallaway rate, all of this of what's going on, the 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 lack of character in a nation. 
why it seems Christianity has not worked. And again, it's not that Christianity will not work. It's just the type we've been practicing. I'm going to give you the answer to what's wrong with the type of Christianity we have been practicing. Here it is. Americans have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. Let me repeat that. As Americans, we have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. And it goes something like this. I choose the church of my choice. I get some religion. Therefore, I have a relationship with God. Nothing could be further from the truth. In other words, I have a relationship with God because my minister says so. He tells me every day, yeah, I got a relationship with God. And so we're beginning a program here on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Now, I'm not going to keep you from church. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying it first starts with you, you and God. A relationship with God starts with you. It doesn't start at your church. It doesn't start with your religion. It starts with you. I mean, think about the labels that people use. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm whatever, Seventh-day Adventist, you know. And, and what is that? You know, none of those names are mentioned in the Bible. They're not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's in the Bible. Now, Jesus speaks of the kind of relationship that he is looking for. And the story is in John 4 and verse 19. There's a, it's the story of the woman that came to the well where Jesus was at. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus had this encounter with this woman at the well. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, but... In, in verse 20, the woman says, Our father worshiped in this mountain, and you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, this woman could have just as easily said, Look, she could have named off all the different denominations. You know, we, around here we've got Baptists, we've got Catholic, we've got Presbyterian, we've got all these different denominations, you know. Jesus, notice what Jesus said to her, verse 21. Jesus said to the woman, Believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, what the woman is saying is, look, we, we've got our locality. We've got Jerusalem. We've got our denomination, let's say. I'm, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth, I guess. But, you know, I'm just saying locality. We have our churches. We have our place, our central place of worship and Jesus comes along and sort of poo-poos the idea and says, look, woman, believe me, the hour is come when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. But the hour comes and now is, verse 23, when the true worshiper, notice there is such, such a thing as a true worshiper, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, you know, there is the kind of relationship that God is looking for is a relationship where the person has received the spirit of God and is led by the spirit of God. There is an internal compass that the person has called, called the leadership of the Holy Spirit that will guide and direct you. This is what creates a true relationship with God. Of course, the, the rub is you've got to have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. You have to come to a point 
where you receive that spirit. Now, I mentioned that earlier, but I'm mentioning it again, and it will come up in an upcoming program on receiving the Spirit of God. What is the process? And there is a process. You've got to understand there is a process for receiving the Spirit of God. What I'm trying to say is this. I want you to imagine a world where there were no, you couldn't go to church. For whatever reason, let's say, the church going has been banned. There are chains on the doors. The doors, you know, it's been outlawed. Okay, what would you do? Now, I know you're thinking, well, that would be impossible. But if we go back to the early New Testament church, we find them hiding out for fear of the Jews. We find them meeting in people's homes because of persecution. Don't kid yourself in thinking that we could not come to a point to where the church or people, true true worshipers, as this scripture says in John 4 and verse 23, that the true worshipers would have to go underground, meeting wherever, meeting in people's homes, meeting wherever. But I'm saying, what I'm asking is, what what would your relationship look like if you didn't have any church to go to? You see, what I'm talking about is that personal relationship where you're led by the spirit of God, the leadership of the spirit of God that is on the inside of you because you have received the spirit of God. That is what you follow more than your local church or anything like that. Again, Jesus says the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper. And just by that statement, I assume that there are false worshipers. Uh, Jesus makes the distinction between the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. And in, order, and in order to do that, you have to have the spirit of God. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the Bible warns us about the times that I believe are probably directly ahead of us. It says, this know also, and we find this in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1 through 5, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Now, it's interesting that it says they have a form of godliness. In other words, even though they are living in total corruption, no morality at all, they have a form of godliness. I mean, you really begin to put some pieces of the puzzle together here as we look at a nation that has lost, that claims to be a Christian nation, and yet the disconnect with morality. Could this verse be speaking to us? I mean, how could the end time culminate into such a wicked, evil society? You know, when morality fails, you don't want to be a part of society I've, I've because it's evil and it's dangerous. And I've often thought about this. You know, I'm I'm 54 years old, and, and, you know, I don't know if I want to be around when this, this time comes, when morality fails. And yet you have people, what this scripture actually talks about is that the morality has fallen in the streets. There is no morality. And yet 
they still claim a form of godliness. Shocking when you think about it. It really is. Now, as a nation that calls itself Christian, there seems to be this illusion that we can still be deeply religious, meaning involved in all kinds of religious activities, and yet that religion has no bearing or effect on our morality. You know, it's what I call the merry-go-round of churchianity. You know, it's, it's Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night Bible study. There's men's clubs, women's clubs. There's singing in the choir. There's choir practice. There's religious conferences to go to. There's children ministry, teen ministry, adult ministry, Christmas and Easter plays. And then you have, the, you know, the big churches with the ping-pong tables and the bowling alleys and endless activities. Support a mission, save the heathen, uh, support a charity. And all of this is necessary in order to be religious, of course. You know, church can be like holding down a second job. I mean, we we come away mentally and physically exhausted, all the while thinking, I'm getting closer to God, which another uh, title that's coming up is religious addiction, how that, you know, how powerfully deceptive religious addiction can be. And religious addiction is basically when you... <clears throat> It's being in a religion or a church, a denomination, where you don't have to think or make decisions for yourself. That's what religious addiction is. You don't question anything. You don't have to think for yourself. That's true religious addiction. You're on automatic pilot, in other words. Of course, the danger with religious addiction is that it's one of the ways that we compensate. When one area is lacking, such as a lack of morality, we overachieve in other areas to make up for the void. In other words, as long as I'm involved in all kinds of religious activities, I can feel good about myself. Even though my marriage is on the rocks, even though I'm addicted to internet pornography, even though I drink too much, I eat too much, I'm 100 pounds overweight, but I feel good about, about my religion because I'm so involved in church. You know, when the church becomes the focus, the meaning of Christianity is lost. In America, over the past 200 years, there's been a subtle substitution. We have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. And this substitution is so cleverly disguised and deceptive that few people even realize that it exists. In other words, our relationship with God has been defined by going to church and religious activities. Now, I believe that there is an internal compass in mankind that leads him in the direction toward God. However, if God had an enemy, I think the enemy's objective would be to create an extreme superficial way for mankind to gain a perceived connectivity with God. That perceived superficial way would come through church and religion. In other words, if I were God's enemy, I would have the masses believing that religious activity in a 45-minute worship service is enough. If I were God's enemy, I would have them feeling really good about their religion, feeling very spiritual, feeling really close to God as their nation and the character of a people became totally corrupted. Then I would appease their ego and have them basking in their self-righteousness as they try to figure out why the world around them is going to hell when there are so many religious people in America, such as the statistics that I went through earlier, 84% claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. That's 84% of Americans. And 74% of Americans confess commitment to Jesus Christ. So how do we begin a relationship with God without church and religion? How do we find God again? You know, the first place we are to look and examine is the man or the woman in the mirror. 
No matter how religious or spiritual you think you are, no matter how long you've been attending church, we are part of the problem. Repentance is needed now more than ever from religious people and the churches that dot our land and the preachers who lead the churches. In a way, repentance is needed more from us than non-believers. You know, they're not the problem. They're simply not called yet, the non-believers. God's not working with them right now. But I think we, the ones who profess it, profess Christianity that we are the problem. And as a Christian, we only have two choices. We either admit that Christianity is a forest and really doesn't work to convert a nation, or we humbly admit that the kind of Christianity that we've been preaching and practicing today doesn't really work when it comes to truly converting the soul of a nation. Now, I know that's big. That, that's If we can admit that, and I know, you know, very few religious people even will even go down. They will, they will not even allow their mind to go in that direction. Well, look, I know I'm saved. I know I'm heaven bound. I know I'm right. I know I have a relationship with God. Well, fine, but what's the impact? What kind of impact are you making? Do you see your nation getting closer to God? With all the churches, the 450,000 churches that dot our land, the 650,000 preachers in America... I mean, you would think we can make a bigger difference when it comes to the morality. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.